Welcome to a new episode of Good Morning Camera. We have a ton of stuff to talk about. Anthony, I'm feeling excited. I'm feeling I'm feeling jazzed, sir. I don't use that word lightly. How do you feel? Well, it's like uh, the video creator's second Christmas right now because we got NAB going on. And there's just, it went from like no announcements to all the announcements. Every, every announcement. Every announcement. <laughs> there's exactly. so much stuff. There's so much stuff. I had a hard time, but I thought I'd just pick the things that most relate to our audience that I think that people would be excited to hear about. And let's not go and talk about $50,000 broadcast lenses because I don't <laughs> think anyone tuning into the show wants to hear about that stuff. Let's talk about our friends at Fujifilm because there's a couple of things, okay? Let me just start off with this. Hot off the press, the YouTube press. They just released a video talking about their next X Summit, May 24th. Mm -hmm. And they talked about uh, some firmware updates for their lenses. So Fujifilm's like, they're shaking off the dust. They had a hot year last year. And it looks like they're just shaking off a little bit of dust. And they're coming in hot. What they officially announced was a few weeks ago is Frame.io integration uh, with their Fujifilm X-H2S. And what this basically means is that you now have a camera from Fujifilm that can what, Anthony? I, I'm, I was literally setting you up there. People thought I was going to give you the answer. No, you're going to give us the answer. What is this all about? Yeah, so this is cloud software that will allow you to wirelessly transfer raw photos to Capture One uh, and video as well. This is not limited to just photo, but video as well. We'll get more into that in a sec. But what I really liked uh, is like this like ability to work more with a team and uh, have like multiple revisions and like be very specific. So like say Gadget, you shoot a bunch of stuff in, and then it goes into Capture One. I'm sitting at home. You're out in studio i can like start editing photos right away and video right away which is kind of crazy it also allows you to back up things to capture one and just have that extra copy uh up in the cloud so you know this will do this just wirelessly that's pretty crazy um this is like i said not limited to just photo because i know you're pretty pumped about the capture one and like the photo capabilities but i was originally thinking like okay this is gonna be like uh, transferring a H.264 file, maybe with like a built-in, uh, or sorry, a baked-in film simulation for like video. But no, that's not the case. This is actually able to transfer 8K ProRes clips to the cloud, and then you could start editing right away, or just have the backup for safety. So, holy smokes, Gadget, you got to be pumped about this because Capture Wait, One it, is. It can do video. I didn't even know it could do video. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this does. <laughs> Okay, this is, like this is crazy. The, I missed that the in the update. press release. <laughs> so it can do 8K ProRes clips to the cloud for people that are yeah. working in... Oh my... Fujifilm, what do you do? What are you doing? <laughs> this is impressive yeah. stuff. Yeah, I thought it was good. I thought it was going to be some sort of like limit to like the video capabilities. But no, they just gave... They're like, let's put it all into the cloud. <laughs> It, what I like actually, about what I like about this is that, you know, this is not a super sexy feature for most creators, but for the working professional or the person that is like getting into that professional space, working with clients and wants to give a, a more polished experience, this is really cool. Because if you own a Fujifilm X-H2 or X-H2S, you have this flagship, ca flagship camera from them, you can now mm -hmm. remotely capture images send it to your computer, and from there, upload to Frame.io Live. 
that means you don't have a whole swarm of people huddled around your laptop. They can have their iPad, they can have their iPhone, whatever it may be, and see these files coming in. And as they're coming in, they can start marking their favorites and they can start, you know, just adding notes and comments and you can have teams collaborating on this. And what's also mm -hmm. cool is they also have this forensic watermarking feature so that Frame.io is actually digitally watermarking these images in the background so that, you know, if someone is, you know, maliciously looking to share these photos, it, it might deter that, uh, to say the least. This is really cool stuff. Because all of a sudden, you have finally someone that's working on a true wireless cloud solution, right? Where you can remotely capture these images, not be locked down by a cable, send them to, you know, for example, Capture One, because this now integrates with Capture One as well, have that going to the cloud. And on top of, you know, all these copies happening locally, you now have a cloud, co cloud copy happening while you're working, which is crazy, mm -hmm. which is just crazy to see. Yeah, I really liked how it would like kind of like how Lightroom like saves your steps. I really liked how it will save the number of like revisions or like multiple steps within the edit. Uh, and it was kind of cool to see like how it could work with the editor. So maybe the editor went maybe too, too far on like the last revision. You could be like, you know what? No, let's go back to the other revision. And essentially like it just saves all those steps and it just makes working with a team so much easier. So I knew you would be absolutely pumped on this for sure. Um, any other final thoughts before we move on? Because I, well, know, let me, I feel let me like flip, Let me ask you something. I'll answer this question as well. You think this is a big deal, little deal or no deal? Well, for the people who are working in Capture One, I think it's a huge deal. Uh, and the, like I said, the ability to have backup video sent over to Capture One so you can actually see those video files and just start editing right away. It's a massive deal for those people who are working with a larger team, but the majority of people are kind of solo creators. So at the same time, this might not be he as huge, but I know that there are some other things in the Fujifilm kind of works that are coming down the road. So this is not the end to the Fujifilm app kind of software situation that we are, we're kind of seeing right now. So uh, I think it is it's pretty exciting for those who are working with the team for sure. I'm gonna go out. I'm gonna say it's a little big deal. It's a little mm -hmm. big deal because yeah. <laughs> right now it might not be applicable to everybody, right? But yeah. this is laying the groundwork for a cloud-based photography solution that will appeal to the masses, right? Like when you start to see manufacturers focusing on this sort of, you know, shoot here and your copies are already waiting for you at home or on your mobile device, that is an ecosystem that, well, it skirts the need for apps. You know, sometimes mm -hmm. we have these apps on our phone that are just a pain to use, right? Well, what if you could just skip that? What if you didn't have to worry about launching an app to transfer your photos or, you know, putting your SD card out, taking it out of your camera and then putting it into your computer. Like what if you could just take your photos and it's constantly being uploaded to whatever location you want it to be. So I think it's a little big deal in the sense that you have a solution now for the working professional. You have something that can provide a great collaborative experience. And I think from this, from this, we should look forward to more cloud integration across multiple manufacturers, across multiple solutions and look forward to a future where we can take a picture on our camera and it's just there waiting for us. Am I being exactly. too hopeful? Am I being too hopeful here? <laughs> 
No, I think uh, this is the this is the way that the the industry should be moving, uh, and. To be honest, software is getting a little bit, little bit scary, Gadgen. We've seen the release of these like photo sharing or photo AI kind of capabilities. And I was like sitting back thinking like us video creators, we're fine, we're fine. But apparently not because <laughs> Adobe Firefly has just been announced. And uh, I don't know, this is looking a little bit scary. Gadgen, can you give us the lowdown on what is happening with Adobe Firefly? Yeah, so Adobe announced Firefly. It's like an AI set of tools uh, based on, you know, the research that they've been doing for many, many years. And it just, it's giving a lot of these things that we've seen in the AI space. It's just bringing them into one sort of location where you have access to all of them. So if you've seen AI creating images in mid-journey or creating uh, text or wireframes, you see a lot of these things, or especially with audio, you know, AI that's looking at audio, cleaning it up so that even if you captured it, you know, from your phone, it sounds like it was recorded in a studio. All these things are now going to sit in one location under Adobe's Creative Cloud Suite. So it's under beta right now, and you can apply for the beta. But some of the things that they were just showing off, it really, you know, I don't think it has me scared, Anthony. I think it has me excited. You know, maybe we're a little bit different. I'm a little excited for this because one of the things I saw was that you can actually have AI create storyboards for you mm -hmm. based on text input. So you can mm -hmm. take, a, you know, a text input of a scene, you know, two people, medium shot, sitting in a cafe, talking to each other, yada, yada, yada. And it will actually create these sketched out storyboards for you. Right. And, and that, you know, I'm thinking about the people that might not be a great artist or the time that it takes to make these, you know, pre visualizations. This saves so much time. So you can just focus mm -hmm. on the creative. And speaking of pre, -visual, pre visualization, you can actually go into that specifically and make these 3D models of the scenes and start to map out how you might be capturing a certain video production. Right. This is really crazy stuff that's happening quite quickly. Right. On top of that, there is like features that bring in uh, relighting tools where you can change the light, the type of light in your video. So, for example, you shot something at high noon. Well, you can go ahead and make it the golden hour. Results mm -hmm. may vary, but the examples they showed were pretty impressive. You can also do editing via text. You can actually go yeah. in and text <laughs> command and just type in what you want this premiere to do. And it does it for you. Well, Firefly, I should say, and it edits it for you, right? Mm -hmm. Doing yeah. There's there's a whole bunch of stuff, but I'm 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 just I'm just flying through this stuff. I mean, I'll let you speak in a second, but like audio, dude. If you have if you if you are not a pro of audio and you don't know your way around this thing, you don't want to spend hours learning some audio software. Like you can just dump audio and it will just clean it up for you. Yeah, what are you, you talking about words. here, man? You took the words right out of my mouth. I was, I was going to say, like, if you could type into this Adobe Firefly, like, change it to golden hour and then just have AI just figure it out. You know what I mean? Like, that is just, that's so nuts to think about. And this is what kind of scares me about uh, AI and, like, just kind of taking over the, even the creator spaces are just not that safe uh, anymore, I don't think. So, uh, and then the fact, like, I like what you said is, like, I'm a terrible artist and trying to share the vision that's in my head to other people who may be working on a specific project, or like a video project with me, 
that's difficult. And uh, this sounds like we can essentially type out the script, insert it into the program, and then it's going to spit out some of those uh, like those storyboard kind of uh, ideas and, and maybe even give you other ideas that maybe you didn't think about, right? So I'm super interested to try this out and see what's going on here. So I think that's probably the most exciting feature for me is that storyboard idea. But what, what is the most interesting tool and how, how would you kind of use this uh, in your kind of workflow? Yeah, being able to create storyboards, like that's high up on my list. It just saves me a lot of time instead of me sketching them out. I mean, even if I can take those and sketch on top of them, what have you, and mark them up, that's already a big head start. Um, the ability to sort of just create images like you would in mid-journey as inspiration mm -hmm. for photos, but it kind of sits under the Creative Cloud umbrella, that's really impressive. Cleaning up audio, I think that's going to be huge. Like just being able to just one click here, fix this for me, set it so it's ideal for the web. Fantastic. You know, I don't have to go through and listen through everything. And then I think also um, the, the auto transcription feature where it'll take your video and now add subtitles for you. That's huge because that improves the engagement on videos. And a lot of people, you know, you would outsource this or try to do subtitles yourself. And it's just really, really hard to do and sit there, right? This doing yeah. it for you is huge. So I think those are the tools that I'm most interested in. But to be honest, I think we're just scratching the surface. I think once these tools come out and professionals have time with them, we're going to see these new kinds of workflows being invented of how we leverage AI to be more productive. And I think that's what I'm most excited for. It's like, what are the bleeding edge creators going to be doing and figuring out that we can then implement into our existing workflows to just be more productive? Exactly. Yeah. So what do you think, Gadjan? Can we move on to the to the next big kind of yes, release enough. here? Yeah, that's, or, that's, or that's rumors. enough. That's enough yeah, AI. Let's, Let's move on to some spicy rumors. Look, I, you know, when we talk about these rumors, we have no inside information. So I just want to be clear here. There's some spicy stuff. We have no actual information on this thing other than what's being reported on rumor sites. But there's so much of this that we felt compelled to talk about it, right? And that is the Nikon allegedly Z8, okay? Mm -hmm. So uh, Anthony, tell us about this camera. What is it rumored to be and have? Mm -hmm. So people are essentially, well, the rumor site is, is calling this a mini Z9 or a, or a baby Z9. So right out, out the gate, I'm intrigued. I want to see some of those Z9 specs in uh, maybe a less expensive camera. I'm curious as to see what the caveats are going to be. But right now, the rumor sites are saying we got an electronic shutter camera only, which is great because I think the Z9 shutter is super interesting. No like weird warping or anything like that happening on, on the Z9. So we'll see what happens with this Z8. In terms of video, we're talking 8K, 8.3K at 60p which is pretty that's i mean that's nuts uh they're they're saying this has a tilting lcd screen opposed to maybe a flip lcd screen a little bit confusing we can kind of dive into that in a sec it's going to be the same uh evf as the z9 and i honestly think nikon they make some of the best evfs uh in the business it's like looking through at a flat screen TV, it's pretty insane. They also have a CF Express card and an SD card slot on this uh, rumor in this on, on this camera here. So 
that's going to be super interesting. And the build quality is not they're not they're not cheating on the build quality it's saying that this is saying that it's the same dust and drip resistant as the nikon d850 and that thing was a tank so uh and then on top of that we have five axis in body stabilization six stops which is is quite quite nice so i mean what what do, what do we what are we what do we need gadget what else do we need in a camera I mean, like this i mean this seems to have everything if this rumored camera seems to have everything you need right i mean apparently it's supposed to be electronic shutter only and that might be a contentious point for some people but for most people this looks to be an incredibly impressive camera right like they're really throwing everything at it and you know it, it seems to be sort of in that canon r5 space you know, it's not yeah. the most flagship solution. It's it's just a notch below. You have a pretty high resolution sensor. You know, rumored to be around forty five megapixels, but just like a suite of amazing functionality surrounding that. I mean, being able to record eight K sixty P like that, like most people don't need that. You don't need that. Mm -hmm. But those feature set <laughs> means that it kind of bleeds down, trickles down. So I'm interested to see what the four K can do and how the quality is and you know. When, the, when they oversample the sensor, how much clarity is there to the footage, right? And I love that it's a tilting LCD and not a flip screen. It means that you can tilt up, tilt down. You don't have to worry about this flip out display. You know, if you're an operator and you're using this device, you can look down. You're not looking down into the left if you have a low angle shot. Um, and yeah, I mean, this just looks like a crazy impressive camera that isn't really holding back much, right? It feels like you know, it competes with the Z9 quite a bit. I think my only concern, and we'll talk about who this camera might be best for, but I think my only concern is whether or not they can actually deliver on this. I mean, it <laughs> yeah. was like the Z9 was pre-ordered for months. Like there's people still waiting for this camera, right? Like they just couldn't meet the demand. So you have this yeah. impressive camera that's supposed to come out. It might not have all the features of a Z9, but it gets you pretty darn close. Like, what happens when there's a lot of interest and people just can't get their hands on it, right? Like, mm -hmm. I don't know. Absolutely. I, it's one of these situations where, like, this is this can all be great, but if you can't deliver to your consumer, that's a major point of concern. Anyway, regardless of that, uh, who do you think this camera is best suited for? Well... I see the Z9 as being like the working professional, like the photo and video creator. Now I heard some grumblings online uh, talking about, and this I think this is a fair point. If you're a working professional, you really want that 422 10-bit kind of color science. Uh, and then, uh, I mean, the high resolution stuff is, is nice to have. I don't think it's super necessary, but it is nice to have. So if you're a working professional, you're really only looking at the Z9 and that is a pretty expensive camera uh, for for those who are looking to shoot high quality video, but also pump out some serious photo capabilities as well. So this seeing that this Z8 is also rumored to have 10 bit support uh, on this camera, this could be the camera that some of those working professionals are really looking for. And that's why I'm thinking like this is probably going to be geared towards the dual video and photo creator. Uh, but 
you're probably going to be behind the camera. And I think this is where Nikon could really step it up in the next model, but at maybe a lower price point, is introducing more cameras with flip screens. And I mean, we, we've talked for about Canon just ruling the creator space for so long. And I, I've, I recently went back and watched a Casey Neistat video where he's talking about how he has like 12 ADDs. Uh, and you see like all the boxes in his, in his office. And uh, I mean, the only reason why he used those cameras is because it had great autofocus, which Nikon now has, uh, and the fact that it had a flip screen and it was a touch screen, right? You just tap on the screen, focus, you're, you know what's in frame, and that's what the creator is missing from Nikon. Uh, but they've Nikon has figured out just about everything that the creators and video shooters want. Now let's get some of those lesser expensive models in with the flip screen so that way we could appeal to the to that youtube style of creator uh, and i think nikon is well on their way so um yeah it seems like an interesting interesting camera and like i said these are all rumors so if they can deliver this is this is going to be a hot one yeah yeah i mean i think there's going to be such wide applications for a camera like this uh, i i don't think it's that sort of beginner or even in you know a hobbyist camera i think this is for those that are making producing for a living right like if you're publishing to youtube for a living and that's where you make your income if you are mm -hmm. publishing as a filmmaker if you are a professional photographer like it's in that space where content mm -hmm. is part of your work i think that's a camera this is a camera that might make it interesting to be honest though i just don't see this being as appealing to people outside of the nikon space you know if you're yeah if you're content with your Canon solution, your Sony solution, your Fuji solution, whatever, your Leica solution, whatever it may be, like at this point, after the Z9 is already out there, like you got to be really frustrated with your solution to kind of switch over. And especially if there's inventory issues, I just don't know how willing people are going to be to wait to switch over. So I think this is primarily for individuals that might have a really aging solution and especially in the Nikon space. They're looking to upgrade. If you have an original Z6, for example, or a Z7, and you know that was your workhorse, this is something worth looking forward to. But enough about Nikon and their rumored cat. We know nothing. We don't know anything. Let's <laughs> talk about it when it comes out. Let's move on to the most exciting part of the show, and that is the creator draft pick, sir. If you don't mind, I'll go. I'll start with mine. It's a very easy one. It's a very simple one, and this is from mutiny mutiny is a company they make these uh cinema accessories for red for canon and even something for sony and it's really just a few of these unique accessories you just can't find anywhere else and then you come to their website and you look at it and you're like whoa why didn't anyone else think of this and the one thing i want to talk about is their bolt on record button basically what this is whether you have a red canon or sony camera you buy this thing you put it on your camera rig if you're a filmmaker and it gives you a record button and you then plug in the cable into your camera and that's all it is. It's about a hundred bucks and it's just giving you a second record button. So think about this. You got a Canon camera. Your record button is often on the right. It's that shutter button, right? You want another one that's maybe on the top handle or maybe on the left side, you know, depending on how you operate this thing. You buy this little accessory, you bolt it on, hence the name bolt on, and you have a record button. That's all it is, Anthony. That's all <laughs> it is. You can do this for certain Canon cameras, for certain Sony cameras. Uh, 
it's just a small, interesting little doodad that I think most people don't know about if you're outside of the cinematography space. Uh, it's something that I've been using and taking advantage of for a while. And I just thought I'd mention it. I think that's what I think that's what I wanted to do. Just let people know, hey, if you're frustrated that your camera doesn't have more than one record button, check out the Mutiny store and you might be able to just get a second one. That's my pick. What's I your pick? It. That's amazing. I actually really like that. That's so cool. And I'm so glad you brought that to the table. I have been looking for uh, another Cinebloom filter to kind of match some of the other filters that I've got going on from when I was shooting Fujifilm. All my Cinebloom filters are small because the Fujifilm Cinebloom filters, like I just bought those specifically for the small Fujifilm lenses. But recently I just switched over to the Panasonic and I'm shooting on the uh, 1.8 primes, which are great because they have the, the same filter thread. So you could just use one filter for all of your prime lenses, right? But I couldn't actually find the Cinebloom filter anywhere. So I, I was I was just about to shoot my short film and I was like, oh, it'd be so nice to just get one of those Cinebloom filters for a couple of the scenes in my short film. And I couldn't find it. So I, I had to purchase, I had to take a shot on the Kenko Black Mist filter number five. Uh, so I bought one of the filters, kind of testing it out. And uh, honestly, it's pretty much exactly the same as the 20% uh, Cinebloom filter. And really, I don't see any kind of difference. It's kind of harsh in like the midday. So maybe not the the filter to throw on in bright, sunny, sunny days. Uh, but I mean, it's essentially the same thing as the Moment Cinebloom filter. Uh, and I took a shot on it and I really liked it. It gave me this nice dreamy-like effect for my short, short film. So when my main character goes into like that dream kind of phase, it, it gets all nice and like hazy in the room. And especially if you're pointing a light at the lens, it looks really nice. So uh, I took a shot on it, didn't know what to expect. And I mean, fantastic results. So uh, that's my that's my pick. Nice and, nice and cheap. Nice and cheap got and the, easy. Got the <laughs> Anthony seal of approval. Thank you so yeah. much, Anthony. And thank you all for listening. As always, if you're enjoying the show, please do share it with your photography or videography friends and leave us a review on iTunes so more people can find the show. As always, his name's Anthony. My name's Gadget. And we'll see you guys next time. See ya.